Hi, I'm Hillary. And I'm Clinton. And welcome to another week of Black Atlantic. This week, we're going to talk about some Oscar buzz, some fashion, not malfunctions, but um, well, some fashion racism, I guess, in the end, and also some more racism, um, but with, of course, the Canadian Human Rights Commission, because even the Human Rights Commission is racist. If uh, you haven't already, please subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're listening to us on audio, make sure you're following us on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you get your audio podcasts. Uh, We're everywhere on social media. You can like us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. uh, And yeah, just leave comments and rate us. And every little thing you do is really helpful. So thank you so much. And let's get into the show. What's popping? Popping. Another week. Welcome back, Hillary. Um, thank you. I will. I will take a minute to say that Clinton has been doing a lot for me because I have not great mental health, <laughs> and I'm working on it. But I do want to say out loud that I had a lot of things going on. I've had a lot of therapy. Um, I've not had a great time with my sobriety, but I'm back, full face of makeup, new shirt, and I really want to thank you for your support. And I'm saying all of this because I don't like mental health stigma, and I would rather be honest. About the fact that I needed a little break, then pretend I was fine. So thank I you was, so much. I was gonna pretend everything was fine. <laughs> I was just saying welcome back. Um, I don't like pretending everything is fine. Yeah, um, no, it's important. I'm also starting like a new that. type of therapy this week, and today I met a death doula because I'm uncomfortable about death and I want to start processing how I feel about my inevitable death. Who knows what kind of state I'll be in moving forward, but I'm on a wellness journey with myself as I just turned 29 a few months back, and I really want to be more introspective, and hopefully that'll help with my sobriety too. So that's before, where I'm at in life. Before we get into the show, like, yeah, tell me more about this death doula. I mean, I've been reflecting sure. a lot, and you know, I, I think society would be a lot better off as as a people if, if we talked about death more. We all yeah. face it. Uh, it makes us all uncomfortable. We avoid mm-hmm. it like it's not going to happen, but it is. Uh, and I think I don't. I'm no. Um, not archaeologists. I don't know about all the cultures of the world, but there's many cultures of the world where death is a part of everyday life and it's accepted and yeah. it's 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 real and it's known. So what is it? What's what's a death doula? So first of all, I know of this girl. So she owns um the store Likely General in the Ronces Vales at a neighborhood of Toronto, Ronsey, um, and is um actually friends of the band July Talk that I'm always referencing. Um, and so I see her on social media and I didn't understand what it was, went into the store today and asked her to her face. Um, and basically it's someone who can like work alongside medical or palliative care as someone is exiting life to sort of support the family and even support their own transition into whatever they want to believe the afterlife is. She does living funerals where someone who has a terminal illness can live in their funeral and have everyone speak to them of like and give them their give them their flowers say that they love them and accept that they're leaving but she also does and what i'm interested in is death meditation where you accept your own death you meditate around it and you try to be more one with yourself understanding that this is all you have because i'm afraid of like the vast unknown that i won't know i existed i won't know i won't like there won't be thoughts that terrifies me but also before like there were two thousand, like almost 2,000 years where I also didn't know. And that's just a fact. And so that really messes with me to an almost 
like debilitating point if I think about it too hard. And I don't like when thoughts that are rational control, control me. And so I want to get over it and just accept it, but it's really hard. And with my mom having dementia, I think that whole living funeral thing is really going to be important because I'm very afraid that when my mom dies, I will go back to like old coping mechanisms. And I don't think I really will, but it is my irrational fear. And so I really like everything she's talking about. And then when I met her, we aligned in sobriety and she knows other people that I know and has done other types of therapies. And so um, she said she would just sit and chat with me and not necessarily charge me money, even though for her, it is a side hustle and a business and something she does in the space of her store. So I'm going to explore it just as a conversation and see where that goes. Wow. That's really weird. Uh, not really weird. That's really interesting. <laughs> is, is a death duel a common thing in our society, like in our Canadian society? And, and before you answer that, I, did you say something about you don't like rational thoughts? I don't think that's what you meant to say. Uh, and I also mean- to all of our listeners that didn't plan to like, start off the episode by having an existential crisis. Um, that's okay. That's okay. This is uh, something that black people should need to talk about. Oh, the other, like, did you say something about you didn't know the past 2000 years? What does that mean? So, so sev- you've asked common. a lot of great I know, questions. Our, our death duel is common. Uh, did so, you say you don't like rational thoughts? And what do you mean you didn't, like, there's the idea that when you die, you won't know that you've lived or the life that you've had. Um, and then what, what, what did you mean about the past 2000 years? So first thing, I had never heard of a death doula before. On her website, she did her training in America. So I don't know that it's necessarily a Canadian thing. I had ne- I've had i never heard of it. I didn't do a ton of research into it. But she's accredited by a doula, death doula thing in the United States. It's on her website, lengthofacandle.com. Um, and in 2017, she got that degree, like her certification, and then did another one. So not sure about the Canadian-ness of it all. What I meant by the rational thought comment, I forget really how I said it before, but like, I know that it's rational to, that I will just die. And I know that it's a, ra- a rational concept. And this circles back to your not knowing, like, uh, tw- 29 years ago when I was born, I didn't know what was going on before that. Like, I, I don't know before I existed and I won't know after I'm gone, but I cannot, I cannot hold those rational thoughts in my brain without feeling like I'm going to explode because I don't like that. I didn't know the past. I don't know that I, di- I don't like that. I didn't exist. And I don't like that. I won't exist. Am I a narcissist? I don't know, but I like my life and I like being here and I don't want it to stop but I know that I didn't know the past and that was fine because there was no pain. There was nothing, but I can't grapple with the nothing that is to come in hopefully like 70 plus years. Okay. So that's what I found really interesting because you made an assumption about what will happen after you die. You said that you know that you won't know anything that you won't know mm-hmm. that you've lived that you won't know anything but the fact is no i nobody knows that and that's yeah. where a lot of uh religious wars and uh, conflicts and fights have come from and other things like uh, buddhism and afterlife and reincarnation i mean nobody knows you mm-hmm. may this may have been your first time existing and after this you may continue to exist in another format you may be aware of the life you had or you may not or you may be reincarnated into something else your soul may fly out into the universe and also you don't 
know whether or not you existed before you don't know if you had a consciousness before you were in this body um you may have existed since the beginning of time if time ever even began uh, and the reality is like you may have been here forever there, there's a lot of theories out there i've always thought that like when you look at a baby they seem so wise they, they seem to have knowledge of everything the whole universe they, and then there's this theory that you're born knowing everything all the secrets of the universe all your past lives and then you become humanized you forget everything as your brain gets stuffed with all the things of earth all the things that are all this foolishness that we concern ourselves with and then it all that like universal knowledge fades away and so who knows when you, we pass maybe that is the the real freeing of us right uh, i've always been a firm believer of the fact that no one was here at the beginning of the universe no one saw how it started and no one knows what happens after we die so in the end believe what you believe something or believe nothing yeah. but the reality is nobody knows so I think that like what I have a big what I was saying this to a friend earlier. So what I have a big issue with is because I feel very rooted and grounded in science. Part of me really believes that I am a sack of cells that will just disintegrate over time. It Well, I will I would probably vote for cremation. And so that like eventually like part of me is very much like biology oriented de decomposition. And yeah. then there is the part of me that has seen like what feels like genuine miracles signs of the universe something maybe not holier than thou but bigger than me pushing me in a specific direction that makes me believe that it's not just decomposition at the end but I don't have like an actual ascribed faith or spirituality I never really have like my mom baptized me catholic but then claimed we were too poor for the cab to go to church. My dad sent me a Quran when I was in the fourth grade. And I always just thought that it was um, unfortunately a religion that was about obedience because my mom was very like, no Christmas and no bacon and living with him would be your punishment. And then I got mm -hmm. to live with him and learned about all of the beauty around Islam and that that's not true, but yeah. there's never been anything that I've been like, I'm going to do this every day to like ground myself or talk to a God or a belief system. And I don't really, I don't really know what I think is going to happen after I feel more afraid of all of the possibilities than trying to figure out what I genuinely think. But it does feel like right now in this juncture of my life, that might also help with my current state and my sobriety yeah. and all of these yeah. things because I'm not subscribing to a, a, a motivator maybe i don't know but it, it feels like all of these things are happening right now for a reason and maybe that's that's also this universe well, that's not scientific yeah right yeah <laughs> um but uh no and i so i think the death doula concept is amazing but i am also i, lo I love to remind people that i'm not a scientist and none yeah. of us are we read the conclusions of these brilliant mm -hmm. people who spend years trying to figure things out and then we think we're smart but um and I'm not, I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you, but the reality, yeah, no, scientifically, we are a sack of cells that are, that are going to decompose. But the thing about science is science can only research and observe and comment on things that it, that we can see through our five senses, mm -hmm. the tests that we can come up with the observable universe and the machines that we can create to see things that, and hear things and, and explore things that we can't explore with our own senses. So the existence of science and the fact that I love science and I'm a science nerd 
is probably really far away from ever being able, they can't prove or disprove God. So they don't even worry about God. They don't even think about God because they can't mm -hmm. come up with a method to test that. And science also can't currently prove or disprove an afterlife. Um, and as of yet, science also can't prove like what we are. Like there's a bunch of electrical billions of neurons and electro electrical impulses firing, but science can't find this thing like a soul. Like, we're a sack of cells, we're, we're nerves, we're, we're, we're atoms, we're molecules. But what are we? Where are we? Where are we in our, like, what is the thing in our brain that makes us, us? Like, where's our consciousness? Where's our soul? We can't right. pinpoint it yet. So I'm a firm believer of science. Your body is going to either burn or decompose and rot and be eaten by bacteria when you die. But that's still, science still, it, it doesn't focus on things like, where we like it doesn't focus on what happens after we die because there's no way to test that currently yeah, and observe solid. the results of a, a hypothesis that a scientist comes up with mm -hmm. so <laughs> no that's that's all super valid i think that like welcome to black Atlantic. welcome to black Season hey two, black 12, people die. exactly <laughs> this is relevant you were saying this literally earlier but this is relevant to everybody um no, I'm, yep. I'm excited to have this conversation from this aspect because I do think it'll help specifically with my mom, but mm -hmm. I do think it might just help me explore what my thoughts even are around what should I be worrying about? What should I not be worrying about? Like, cause you're yeah. right. What, what is matters? the point and what matters to me and not? And exactly. so, yeah, send her an email um, and we'll see. She's very lovely. So. I will be researching the concept of a death doula, that's for sure. After yeah, this. like I said, lengthofacandle.com is where she talks about where she got accredited. And so I mm -hmm. like I would look into those places and see. But like I was super confused because I know a doula as a, a birthing thing. And so then when yeah. she said that, I was like, what? And I've been following this Instagram for probably a year waiting for some kind of definition, but not really going deep enough into just like the website to continue to read. And oh, I wow. saw that she did the like um the living uh funerals and so i was confused if that was like living your own death like at any age but now that i understand it's part of like a alongside palliative care or hospice care that makes a lot of sense um and i'm L into that so the living funeral is so interesting because like there's all these celebrities all these famous people who have lived these amazing lives and you don't hear about yeah. them for years and then they die yeah. and then everyone's obsessed with them Everyone's watching their movies. Everyone's appreciating yeah. them. Everyone's honoring them. Everyone's yeah. lifting them up. Everyone's playing their music like crazy. Wearing their clothes. The amount of the value right? of their so stuff all it rises. They may have they may have died not feeling appreciated or loved at all. And then it's weird that after they pass and you heard, oh they died of cancer and you hadn't even heard of them for years and it's just yeah. like that person should have had a living funeral. <laughs> Sometimes at the Oscars, they honor people who these lifetime achievement of things, yeah. but so many, uh, I mean, and everyone deserves to be honored, but so many people who have impacted millions of lives pass away. And then the recognition starts like the media pours. It's just, yeah, of course. What's we the should all have a living funeral. So many artists get, so many artists get famous all, only after they die, right? Like Van Gogh, that's the whole, whole exactly. thing, right? You never exactly. knew you had impact. Imagine. Uh, yeah. Even scientists who have had these theories that get like they were mocked and outcasts yeah. during their time, and then hundreds of years later they're revered. Yeah. But do they get to? Are they are they floating around being well, like, finally? Yes. Depends on what everyone believes. It doesn't I matter what we believe. What matters do. is what happens, right? We yeah. again we believe what we want. 
um, but there probably is a truth. It's just how would we know what that is? I guess we won't we won't know until it happens, and then we won't know when we maybe come back and do it again, or nothing happens. Who knows? Who knows? But that's what I don't like. <laughs> I just hope we all don't burn for eternity. <laughs> I'm thinking of some things that I've done that might make that happen for me, but um, I'll repent at some point if that's what I feel is appropriate for me. I'm just saying that would suck. I'd like to think we do good work. I Let's do some of that good work. <laughs> I'm not even talking about like the Bible. I was just saying like um, it, it wouldn't matter. Like, never mind. Okay, let's. I was like, if it's not the well, Bible, do you mean on. climate change? I did mean the Bible. <laughs> the other I did mean the Bible. Yeah, that's another form of burning. Or I was like, like, I mean, it's already plus six here in Toronto. It's coming, the heat wave. It's weird how thousands of years ago there was this concept about like going down to hell and like burning for eternity in the center of the earth when they didn't even know that the earth was a molten rock, like lava, like literally a burning fire. Or maybe they did. Maybe there was ancient wisdom from like 4,000 years ago that has been lost. Yeah. Maybe uh, that's what it was in the Alexandria library, the molten core. <laughs> I think about that library and the fact that it's gone all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the cost of war. Um, it's the cost of a the war. The knowledge gets burned. A lot of our African history has been burned. Absolutely. There's been great empires in the 800 AD, uh, 1100 AD. Again, I, I, I've been saying this because I came across it. There's, there's stories, like, there's stories of people with black skin being in North America, like, over a thousand years ago there's stories like ancient stories about even even longer than that but um yeah so if you read the bottom ticker here for those watching <laughs> what topics do you want to hear us discuss <sighs> did you actually message. really enjoy this random sidebar that we did because i'm having a mental health <laughs> moment that had a sad day <clears throat> tell us we'll talk about more stuff yeah we do have some topics to talk about. Yes, we do. Let's go um, from the supernatural to the superficial. To the superficial, absolutely. I was just trying Sorry, to look up one yeah. aspect of it, but I think I can try to remember what it is. Um, but we'll start off with, aha, the Oscars, which you did reference. Um, so the Oscar buzz, the Oscars were, I think, two weekends ago now. Um, and it, I mean... I don't know what your household was like. When I grew up, Oscars were a big thing. Had to watch the dresses, never watched the movies, had to judge everybody's behavior. And that was it in my household. Mm. Um, yours, no? Not so much, no. Not so much. That's oh. valid. That's fair. Um, bring. I wanted to discuss it for several reasons. But the main one being um, everything, everywhere, all of the time. I believe. Are you sharing any screens for the ones watching on YouTube while you, while you tell me the stories? I'm not sharing it for this one. I will for the next one. Okay. Um, so, yes, everything, everywhere, all at once, I believe. Um, yeah. One almost completely sweeped everything. They got, um, I believe, best actor, best actress, supporting actress, and they got the best picture. Um, the Whale with Brendan Fraser, he won, I believe, best actor. Um, the main reason I wanted to discuss this is a lot of people feel a lot of type of ways because of Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett was nominated for the same award that Jamie Lee Curtis ended up winning for Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, which was Best Actress. Now, Angela being nominated was the first time that a Marvel movie, and we know that there are so many, was ever nominated. Um, she was also, I think, would have been the first Black woman 
nominated in that category, if I remember correctly. Um, and there were a few other big accolades in there as well. And so her losing felt to a lot of people like not exactly a racism, but certainly not um, kind to the Black people. I think a majority of Black people really wanted her to win. Um, but what's interesting is that um, the other actress who was in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, um, who I believe won, she either won Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress, um, Asian woman, beautiful. Um, she's the only woman, she's the second woman of color, second racialized woman to ever win that award in the 95 years of the Oscar. Who's is who's the other one? Halle Berry for Monsters Ball, like however many years ago. And so they've only given this award to a woman of color twice. And I believe huh. the other award still maybe never. Um, so <laughs> Um, basically, I just wanted your opinion on, are the Oscars racist? <laughs> I think it's weird. I think, I think the Oscars are weird. I, I never grew up watching them. I, uh, I watched movies growing up. I didn't even know the actors' names, to be honest with you. I, I've never been obsessed with celebrities or, or famous people or, like, pro athletes or like superstar musicians. They're just people to me. Um, it's so interesting. Like, so if a person doesn't win at the oscars it feels so political like even the idea that it could be a racism um kind of makes me feel like the oscars are more about social issues and politics than the actual quality of the movie like mm -hmm. they need to win a black woman hasn't won so she needs to win this year um is it really because the movie is the best or, or anything like that like everything everywhere all at once was a visually very creative movie and um who was the star of it again she is a she's a great actress to be honest with you she's been around since like crouching jamie tiger lee curtis for everything everywhere all at once <clears throat> jamie lee no? curtis is that who you're talking about for everything, everywhere, all at once? No, that's not the actress. For which one? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it with Michelle Yeoh. Yes. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis was going to win. She did win. She won, and Angela Bassett didn't. That's the crux of the problem. I thought you meant um, Michelle Yeoh. No, so Michelle Michelle Yeoh is the woman of color. Jamie Lee that Curtis won. played like the like the the senior yeah so they were both her and angela just... bassett were both nominated for best supporting actress oh, and supporting jamie lee curtis won okay. then best actress that. was given to michelle yo also from the movie everything everywhere all at once making her the second woman of color to ever win that award and for people like okay well for all the <laughs> listeners who don't know what movie angela bassett <laughs> was in <laughs> wakanda she okay played, that's what i thought it was her okay, return that is actually from what wakanda, I thought. yeah which yeah, is why i mentioned another them. amazing movie that's but, why i um, mentioned that it was um it was a record because it's the first time a marvel movie has ever been nominated yeah i think in any of those categories <clears throat> i assumed that's what you meant and i saw both yeah. movies and they were both great i don't know uh the process they go about picking the winners did you see them both yeah i thought the second one was okay <clears throat> wakanda forever yeah uh, i didn't think gonna, it was okay you're definitely... off the podcast i'm gonna, I'm gonna... <laughs> you can't say that you can't say <laughs> if only you, you would have we'll acted fast it. enough to remove me <laughs> i could i was I'm, I'm hovering over it yeah should i <laughs> i thought it was okay but i mean it was great and especially with um uh, 
Chad Boseman, like him dying and then still making the movie. And it, it was the really that relevant was part wonderful. of that movie is when they were complaining about the fact that he suffered in silence and didn't get help sooner. And because of that, so many people are missing him and suffering. Like it was a real breaking of the fourth wall that I thought yeah. was really impactful. Um, I liked that. If I can say what my gripe was, and I will say like spoiler warning, um, I just didn't love that the majority of the storyline was pitting two minorities against each other for oh, the white man you know in what? the movie. Yeah, and hell like, yeah. I forgot And about like, that. I get that that is genuinely what is happening in society, but it was so like, ugh. And then I thought that all the, f- and like, I'm a raging feminist, but it was so woman heavy with Chadwick gone that I found it tacky. Like, it was a bit aggressively female by the end of it all. And I was a little like, I get it. I get it. Woman power, the sisters taking over. That's great. That's great. But like, whoa. (laughs) It was a lot. And then, yeah, I just didn't like the idea (laughs) that we're pitting two minorities together, like against each other, who should be fighting alongside each other. I really didn't like that. And that, I forgot about that. That was a complaint that I had. <laughs> you know, I don't always watch movies to be critical and uh, like for the social commentary, even though that's what we're talking about. I watched it with my kids and it was action packed and it was fun. But uh, yeah, didn't that kind of happen in the first episode too? I feel like, like I black on black, right? So there's even there in Hollywood, there's a problem. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, are the yeah. Oscars racist? I would say mm-hmm. absolutely, like more than likely, like 99.9% sure. But then I just always find it weird that you can even have a discussion about like, if someone didn't win an award, that's racist, because I thought it was supposed to be about what is the best movie? Like, should someone win just because should a black person win just because a black should a black woman win just because a black woman has never won before, right? Like when we had 180 on uh, mm-hmm. the rapper as the first black musician to ever win an award in New Brunswick. Had him on really CBC because we've thing. yet to like, have him on here. He deserved to. <laughs> no. Yeah, we. Yeah. Oh. 180, yo, yo, we tried to have you for the opening episode. We've asked twice. Okay. Yeah, we did, we did, we did. He's a busy man. But the yes. point is, he deserves to win. But I mean, it's bittersweet. I, Why did it take so long? And did they pick him that year? He deserved to win. Did they pick him that year because they had to pick a black person to save face, right? So I think that what it boils down to is like you tend to advocate for the people of color in the awards when you know there were so many years where there were black people yep. that were better than the white yep. people who have won the awards yep. that they're not ever yep. going to take back. They're never going to rewatch those movies and be like, yep. actually, you know what? Back in the 50s, it shouldn't have been Marilyn Monroe. It should have been this person. Like, that's yep. not going to happen. So it's mm-hmm. really hard to say now. And it's still hard to say, like, I know that up until recently, it had been revealed, I think, that the Grammys were an all-white board and voting Absolutely. group. Yep. And so, like, yep. when you have facts like that, that's where it becomes hard to justify Jamie Lee Curtis versus Angela Bassett. It's like the award version of making up for, like, a generational wealth gap, right? It's like yes. a, a re... Oh, my gosh. Let me embarrass myself here. It's not the recuperation. It's like... Uh, nope. <laughs> Reparation. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's the kind of week i'm having yeah it's like it's so it's like 
it's like the reparation of movies, right? So because of the injustices of the past, a black person should win, even if there was a better movie. I, I find the Oscars have been racist forever. Um, yeah. I just find it hard to wrap my head around the argument that a black person should win because black people haven't won in the past. Although there is some, there's some truth to that, yeah. but it, 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 it can be unfair if there was a better movie that was produced this year. Of course. Okay. Um, you were going to say something. Just that Monsters Ball came out in 2001. So it's probably been 21 years since another woman of color won that award mm -hmm. for Michelle Yeoh to win. And mm -hmm. she's the first Asian to win in the 95 years of the Oscars. And man, she's such a good actress. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my thoughts are just that, like, yeah, they're racist. I mean. They are racist. But I to agree with your what question. you're saying. Yeah, the Oscars like, are racist. I, like, talent is talent. If white people are better at it in, the, in, this, in that genre, in that yeah. movie, and whatever, yeah. then, like, they are. Like, that, I agree with that. I don't think you should pressure the academy to vote for black people just because it's going to break a record or perhaps this actress deserved it however many years ago but didn't get it then because with angela bassett the conversation is around like the longevity of her career and the fact that she's never won an oscar mm. and so i get that but at mm. the same time i do agree that talent is talent and there are lots of talented white people as well it's just unfortunate that they've got an opportunity so much more than black people, Asian people, all of the people of color. And so the it's it's skewed. But yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. And I mean, I think maybe it is about politics and social messages and statements than what is the best movie. So maybe. Yeah. Maybe Angela Bassett should have won. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. A lot of people are also really judging. How do you pick the best movie anyways? I don't, I don't know how they pick. I mean, a bunch of white men watch it and then they vote. Yeah. And know. there's probably money involved and like influence and favors. It's probably been like that forever. Probably. But... I was just going to say briefly that a lot of people are also upset because Angela Bassett like didn't try to pretend to be happy and showed a disappointment on her face. And so some, uh, of course, critics are sort of like, you need to be happy all the time. You should have been happy for Jamie Lee Curtis. But like... A lot of other people are like, you're allowed to be disappointed that you didn't win something that you deserved and thought that you were going to win. You're allowed to be sad in that moment. And so people are being super critical. Yeah. Are you uh, there? <laughs> I'm here. But you're orange. I... You decided no longer to be a race. Oh, device is not connected. I will wait a minute. And then that is an orange clinton <laughs> okay you can hear me though right i can yeah i so we're using uh we're on the second week of our new software that we're using for streaming and there might, you are. now i know how to get back quicker all right sorry audio oh. listeners uh that probably didn't make any sense to you my camera tripped out all right okay. we should probably move, move on, on to, to the next, the next one yeah. continuing with the oscars buzz and this is one will be very brief but sierra had a dress scandal and now <laughs> i was very invested in this because the fashion is the thing for me um and i will start by sharing my screen and showing you let me see where am i at on this screen i will start by showing you the gorgeous sierra in all her glory and in this dress um sharing screen we will i will describe it for the people did i freeze again already 
I can't tell. That's not great. Okay. This is, I'm also having a hard on. time. Yeah. Oh, here. Are you seeing my whole screen, maybe? Mm. <laughs> now, Chrome isn't going to let me share my screen. So, listen. What do you want shared? Who's let dressed? me send it to you. Everyone, please stand by. We, <laughs> you know what? Or maybe, no. Okay. Let me message it to you here. Boop, boop. Why can't I message you here? Oh, there we go. Is it my first time using the internet? Sorry, guys. Um, we were better when we were talking about death. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, I see what I did. I made a thing come up. There we go. There, I believe I messaged it to you in this chat. So essentially, here's the crux of the problem, everybody listening. Sierra wore a dress. It's very, very see-through. It's basically mesh. You can see her thong and her bum in the back and her little pasties. And people were like, no, no, no. This is wildly inappropriate. This is not what you should be wearing to the Oscars. Absolutely. How dare you? Some people found it immodest, especially offensive due to her being a white a wife and a mother. Shaming was noted as misogynistic by culture writer Tiwa Adebayo, I believe for a writer for Yahoo. Um, however, what I was hoping to show you. Okay, great. Wait, scroll back up. Scroll, or no, that's good. So what you're seeing now are um, four white people that are wearing something really, really similar. And they were not judged or ridiculed or had anything said about them at all. Um, the four white women from left to right, um, Emily Ratajkowski, Alessandra Ambrosio, Sabrina Carpenter, and Hunter Schaefer. Um, this is all at the Vanity Fair Oscars party. No one ever said anything about any of those dresses. Now, let me tell you what I'll say about those dresses. That last one <laughs> with the feather across her chest and a skirt, that is being held on by a whisper and a prayer. One wrong gust of wind. And you want to say to me that Sierra is like, scantily clad as a wife and a mother obscene can't understand it so anyway i just wanted to bring the unjust judgment of sierra's dress as a racism to light it really is it's it's the constant double standard of black women even uh you know black women are, are more heavily sexualized in a negative way um seen as threatening seen as um you're making a, a face. Are you okay? Yes, um, I am. Just seen as threatening. Even in young girls are sexualized at a young age, and like they're they're just treated so much more harshly than the counterpart, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's really all I have to say. You're right. It's it's racism. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolute, utterly racism. It's so simple. Like just look at the pictures. So why was mm -hmm. why are these women uh, praised and lauded for their their fashion and probably their boldness and their daringness and their you yeah. know stuff like that and then. And she's ridiculed, and pesticized, and villainized. Uh, yeah, they—they're all, all of, they're all nice outfits. Uh, this third one is a bit weird for me, but um, they're all great outfits. Um, to be fair, I sort of, I sort of don't like the ones on the white people as much, but I think it's because they went with like a metallic, and she went like with black sheer. Um, that's just my fashion taste, though. Like, I, I don't, yeah. Anyway, 
Okay. But I mean, that's important to point out. Like it just, it's, it's so simple. Like we brought, you're right. We don't have to talk about it for a long time. It's it's a ridiculous double standard. How could society be treating her any differently for her outfit than they are treating any of these four women? Yeah. She, um, she commented on it on TikTok by making a little TikTok and the title of the TikTok was selective outrage. The name of Chris 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 Rock's Rock's special, special. which I finally watched by the way. And I like, it was, it was interesting. I yeah. thought it was really good. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. Like it was so interesting to hear him speak after like a year. And uh Yeah, but I liked him commenting on all the other stuff too. I thought it was really funny. There was a couple moments though where I was like, oh but, but I that's the thing. I mean, stand-up you. comedy is the last social medium where you can really push the bar of the kind of conversations that are allowed to be had in society right you can't just sit around and talk about that on a regular show it has to be a stand-up comedy show like you have to push the bar of what's offensive and it sometimes leads to conversations that are helpful uh, because it gets people talking about uncomfortable subjects Uh, but yeah the chris rock special selective outrage if you don't have netflix like sign up for a month (laughs) and watch it yeah i thought it was really good i really liked it all right okay ready for the last one sure am all right. Do you want to speak about this one a little bit first? No, no. I'm letting you kind of speak. Right, it's me. Episode. Okay. So the Canadian Council, the Canadian Council, the Canadian Human Rights Commission, the CHRC, um, they essentially they uh, have been found of also committing racism and mistreating the employee their employees. Um, the government found. Let me find the correct wording here um ottawa says the human rights commission discriminated against its employees um the cbc article interviews bernadette becci who was a policy advisor at the canadian human rights commission and she described the workplace as toxic and poisonous um the canadian government's human resources arm treasury board of canada secretariat came to the conclusion after nine employees filed a policy grievance through their unions in october 2020 so this month they did find that yes um that they did discriminate against black and racialized um employees and they said i declare that chrc has breached the no discrimination clause of the law practitioners collective agreement um and yeah the article goes on to sort of describe the the, the situation was described as hostile and racially charged workplace. Black and racialized employees were excluded from career and training opportunities, shut out of formal and informal networks. Um, some employees who spoke to CBC said they would find the work to find the workplace as toxic and poisonous, that it affected mental and physical well-being, and that they had to go to various therapies. Um, Betchy, specifically, who I referenced before, was a, the political staffer in the prime minister's office before moving to the commission. Um, she suffer- suffered months of sleeplessness and anxiety that led to her taking sick leave. Um, eventually, they CBC asked um, some people uh, in CHRC um, for uh, an interview, and those requests were uh, completely denied. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I think stood out to both of us was um, a statement from um, Justice Minister David Lametti um, saying, my fear is that Canadians will lose their trust and confidence in the commission. Sorry, said by David McNairn, uh, president of the Association of Justice Council. If the commission itself is guilty of discriminatory practices, really, what chances do Canadians have to rely on the commission to protect them 
from discriminatory practices. Um, and then, Not great chances. Yeah. So first that, but then also my favorite part, our favorite part is the end of the article in which- well, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. <clears throat> Before we get to the end. Sure. Um, yeah. So there's some other crazy statements. Uh, so like uh, they said that the commission staff demeaned and humiliated black and racialized employees. Uh, they said that these employees sometimes voiced concerns about the high dismissal rate for human rights complaints from racial or religious minorities. Uh, and they said the commission usually assigned investigators to such complaints who lacked relevant expertise and experience in investigating racism. Uh, an example that was given was that the commission would understandably never assign a group of all male employees to investigate the complaints of sexual harassment against, against women, is what it's implying, and gender-based discrimination it receives from the public. Um, and yet for several years, they saw it fit to put a group of exclusively white employees and managers in charge of investigating all of the race-based complaints received from the Canadian public. So basically, minorities and people of color who went to the Human Rights Commission to complain about racist treatment against them, um, their claims were heard and judged and processed by mm -hmm. only white people working within the government, right. which, again, is 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 ridiculous so like how can there be an understanding a sympathy a relevant experience and expertise basically exactly what they're saying um because we know even from years ago when we interviewed dr timothy christie um and uh, people i know who have had personal experiences with the human rights commission most human rights complaints end up getting dropped um because things are looked into there's investigated racism is technically is not a crime in canada so when something an act of hatred or racism is um, committed against a, a person of color or a minority the burden of proof lays exclusively on the person submitting the complaint to prove so if there was if there is rape or if there is a crime committed these things are criminal offenses so the burden is on the police department and uh taxpayer money is used to investigate these claims but when it comes to complaints against the human rights commission it's up to the person making the complaint to prove it to get the lawyer to to like prove everything that happened to like try to obtain all this info that might be being held on to by companies and corporations and stuff like that so even there like you're, you're screwed before you, you even start and and then in the end, even the employees working for this organization um, were being treated horribly as well. Uh, and then this gentleman, what's his name, who was saying, like, I fear that the Canadian public is going to lose McNair. faith in this the human yeah. rights. No shit. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know what the experience is for white people making complaints and their success rates. But for people of color and minorities, I think 90% of these claims get dropped in the end. So what's what's the board doing? What's the point of it? It's just a, a, another form of like systemic bureaucratic racism, just for face value, just trying to make the appearance that they care and that they're doing things, just like this gentleman himself even literally said, um, that we, we stand against anti-racism and stuff like that. Okay, I had to throw that part into the article, and I will let you drop the the, the well, way that I'll, it ends, I'll, which is the most ridiculous thing ever. I'll, I'll, go comment, ahead. Though, yeah. I'll comment first and just say that, like, I completely agree. And, like, when I read that, my first thought was that, like, it boils back down to what you what you said perfectly about this systemic racism and it existing and the fact that, like, I don't think as a black person, I do trust this system. And I don't think I would have trusted it before because I would have assumed 
exactly what's happening. Like this isn't shocking. And that's what's act. That's what's sad about it is that like, none of us are really surprised. Like we're, we're just disappointed. <laughs> like it's just annoying and upsetting, yeah. but I'm not shocked that they're treating their own people this way because that's, our prime minister did blackface and we never like stopped him from being in power. So like what standards are we upholding as a country? It's, anyway, it's, how does the yeah. article end? <clears throat> the article ends with, <clears throat> let me, I'm going to read the three lines. Betsy, the one, the, the black one who they were speaking to in this article is part of the proposed class action. The plaintiffs also are asking for a plan to diversify the federal labor force and eliminate barriers that employment equity laws have been unable to remove. The federal government, which has asked the court to dismiss the claim, argues black employees can seek redress through avenues such as their union or the Canadian Human Rights Council. <laughs> Oh, what? did a racism happen by the Canadian Human Rights Council? You should ask for help from the Canadian Human Canadian Rights Human Council. Human Rights Council. <laughs> what? They'll help you. What? Okay. So yeah. To anyone who didn't, like, should we read it again? So, the federal government, which has asked the court to dismiss the claim, argues that black employees of the Canadian Human Rights Commission should seek redress uh, through avenues such as filing their complaints with the Canadian Human Rights Commission. It's just like, do they think we're dumb or that we're stupid? Like, what? Or is it just Are such a dumb? symbol of the absolute power they have that they don't even really give a fuck? I'm curious, like, could you not, like... To the point about, like, anyone racialized filing a complaint was only ever met by other white people. Where are the people of color who work there who could be helping the other people of color? Like, are they just not promoted to that position? Like, why? 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 I don't know. It is so idiotic yeah, that, like, CBC, <laughs> there's a great, like, uh, David... Yeah third ton yeah we've i've seen articles from him before like yeah the way you ended that bro like that bro <laughs> that was that was that was the kicker that was yeah what a guy perfectly summarizes it all i really like that they had a, a a black person write the article yeah cbc stepping up their game I, i'll use this as a moment to say hey do you have instagram hey do you follow cbc new brunswick We've been promoting, promoting Black Atlantic Reels over there. Um, mm -hmm. So far, just highlighting some of the findings of Black History Month that we uncovered and re-highlighting that work. Who knows where this partnership could go? Uh, maybe you'll see Clinton on there. Maybe we'll talk about something else. Maybe they'll just ask us to talk about our podcast. Who's to say? Um, but I'm very happy that they continue to promote our work and that yep. they like us. Yeah, yeah. You did, a, you did a great job on those Reels. And uh, yeah, you're coming in. Um, so that was an episode. Uh, <laughs> it was a good episode. We went from death to the Oscars to the Canadian Human Rights Politics. Commission. Yeah, yeah. So, All important topics. Very, yeah, thanks thanks to everyone uh, for listening through. We actually didn't think we were going to have more than about 20 minutes of content to talk about today. But uh, yeah, uh, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe, like, follow, comment, uh, rate, all of the above, you know, you can, you know, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Spotify, Apple, YouTube. I'm probably forgetting anything. Oh, oh, and uh, look, look up in the top corner here. Uh, if you're watching this, you know, I, I think you're pointing. Are you? I think, oh, 
that that way is that where you see it oh okay uh, am i pointing in the right place yes no you were you are you're right there are we oh it looks okay uh <laughs> we you know we we run this all out of our own pockets you know and uh yeah if you're looking to help support the show what we do um research and, and stuff like that please feel free to donate to our gofundme and yeah i'm clinton davis and over here is hillary aka crop berry and uh <laughs> we'll see you again next week peace, peace.